College Breakfast with Julian Clover. Across our university city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. After 20 years of working in natural history museums and searching out wild mammals around the world, zoologist and author Jack Ashby has decided that platypuses are the best animals to ever have evolved. Uh, Jack is the assistant director of the University Museum of Zoology. He'll be explaining all of that uh, to a group of 8 to 13-year-olds at the Cambridge Festival. Good luck with that. Um, Jack, you're very welcome uh, to Cambridge uh, Breakfast. Thanks very much for coming in this morning. Thanks for having me, Julian. Um, the dung-billed platypus, they're, they're kind of a bit of everything really what what did, did something go wrong in evolution with them <laughs> no everything only went right in the evolution of, of platypuses as you say they are the most astonishing animal ever to evolved so they the one of the only mammals that can detect electricity one of the only mammals to produce venom one of the only mammals to produce eggs they have no nipples they ooze milk without um straight onto their skin um they are absolutely astonishing that's these that combination is not found in any other species on earth explain the electricity thing to yeah. me yeah so as I'm sure we all remember from biology uh, classes at school... Every, I possibly don't. I was <laughs> every muscular contraction in the animal kingdom is controlled by electrical signals running through our nerves. Um, and platypuses underwater, with their eyes and ears and nostrils closed shut, uh, they can sense the electrical impulses given off by their prey, including by their heartbeats, um, and find them and, and manage to eat almost their entire body weight in crayfish and worms and snails every day. Um, so it's, it is an amazing adaptation to life in murky waters. And they're just found in Australia? Is that the only place in the yeah. world where you can uh, f- find, find one? Where, where, whereabouts? Presumably there's a sort of a habitat, if you like, yeah, which they, uh, they, they, they prefer to, to hang out in. They live in pretty much anywhere in Australia where there's permanent water all year round. So from um, far north Queensland, down, um, all down the east coast and into Tasmania. But they don't live in any of the, the desert areas because <laughs> they are aquatic and they don't live in the monsoonal areas because they dry and um, dry out in um, in the dry season so it's but they're a huge range um, covering thousands of kilometers I think most of my knowledge of Aust- Australian animals possibly comes from episodes of Skippy the bush kangaroo um, but but even looking at that you know fictitious wildlife park where where Skippy was set you know the the animals around there and I guess by by extension Aust- Australia as a whole very different to the rest of the globe. They they seem to have, if you like, gotten their own set, if you like. <laughs> That's right. That's why I, one of the reasons why I love Australian mammals so much is it's the only place on the planet, along with New Guinea um, next door, where you can find all three groups, all three major groups of mammals. So you have uh, platypuses and echidnas, which lay eggs. They're the monotremes. You have the marsupials, like kangaroos and wombats and koalas, which give birth after a really short um, pregnancy and then do most of their growth in the pouch. And then you have placental mammals like us, which have really long pregnancies and then give birth um, are, uh, uh, give birth and, and finish off the development suckling milk for a much shorter time. But Australia is the only place where all three groups live. So they're famous for their marsupials, but actually uh, only about half of Australia's um, mammals are marsupials. The rest are, are bats and rodents. So we, we do get all three groups there, plus uh, platypuses. Uh, and what, as I said, the, the platypus feels like it's in a category of its own. Is, is that right? It is, yeah. So platypuses <laughs> and echidnas, which are spiny, anteating, egg-laying mammals, are, are in that group, the monotremes on their own. There's only five species of egg-laying mammal, and they only live in Australia and New Guinea. 
Oh goodness! And but but all arguably in the same sort of the same part of the world, separated yeah, yeah. only by a bit of water, I guess, between uh, but but between the two. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, well, I, I guess has there ever been? There must have been sort of work into why you know why it was the um, the animals uh, found found themselves there, if you like. Well, um, egg-laying mammals evolved there, um, but marsupials and placenta mammals... Have... But why nowhere else? That's, well, that's kind of the question. It's a good question, but marsupials do live in the Americas. There's about 100 species of marsupial in the Americas. Platypuses used to live in South America, too, well, used to live in South America too, until about 65 million years ago. Uh, and they crossed, they'd crossed from Australia across Antarctica and into South America. Uh, but we don't really know why they didn't... Um, they didn't make it up into the northern hemisphere, um, but they are. You know, it's it's a shame for us because they're, they're, they're say, a long way of, away. Do, do you kind of feel that we're missing out on the, <laughs> on, on, on kind of this? You, your, your journey towards discovering Australian animals is there's like a you have a personal connection with with, with Australia. Well, how, how did how did that evolve? My my journey started here in Cambridge actually. So I I um, studied it. At the museum where I now work, at the Museum of Zoology, and every week we'd have our, you know, our classes would be a different group of animals. And when we got to the egg-laying mammals, my mind was just completely blown. Like this is incredible. What, the, what these these there's there's nothing better that's ever evolved, and that kind of acted as a, a gateway drug to all of Australian mammals. <laughs> and then I started doing field work there for the last um, 13 years or so, about once a month, uh, about a month a year. I, I'm, I'm out there uh, catching these animals for ecological field work, and then back uh, back at work. Um, you know, working with our historic museum collections. Uh, it, it, it's a sort of a very Cambridge question, really. But what, what, what is it like when you, when you study in Cambridge in a place and then actually go back to work there uh, <laughs> la- later on? Yeah, it's, it's really nice. I mean, yeah. Particularly if there's a gap, as I think there was. You were at yeah, the museum in London, I think, before uh, coming, coming back to Cambridge. That's right. I was away for 15 years. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's very familiar, but the museum is also very different. You know, the... the the Museum of Zoology underwent a massive redevelopment in the years up to 2018. I, I in fact, joined just a month before we reopened. Um, so, it, yeah, it's very familiar. It's great to be kind of now teaching on the courses that I was once studying. Um, it's kind of, yeah, kind of like a, a very familiar, homely feel. Uh, one of our regular correspondents, Al, has uh, been in touch, and he says um, um, he quite rather likes the sound of a duck-billed platypus. Never been to Australia, um, but suspect they're one of the few creatures you can tolerate in a tent. But then he comes back and says, ah, venom. Uh, the search continues for a friendly Antipodean tent guest. I, I guess he's kind of right there, really, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend putting a platypus in a tent for many reasons, but, um, yeah, the males... Um, during the breeding season are strongly venomous. In fact, they're the only known seasonally venomous animal in the world. So the only ven- um, animal that is venomous for just part of the year. And they use their venom, it's, it comes from massive horny spurs on their ankles. They use it for fighting between males over mates. But on the rare occasion that people have been uh, envenomated, been stung by a platypus, the um, the pain is absolutely excruciating. They have one of the most unique, or well, possibly the most, an extremely unique venom. There's a, t- a cocktail of 20 plus different proteins that can cause debilitation for 15 years after being stung. So they've never killed anyone, as far as we know, um, but they uh, they cause muscle wastage and and um, loss of movement after extraordinary pain, long lasting pain for. for you know, 15 years. It is, yeah. Keep, keep <laughs> yeah. that out your tents. So. Yeah. <laughs> Very good plan. I, I never knew about the venom thing whatsoever. I've kind of re- always regarded them as the cute furry thing with the bill. Well, but they are very uh, cute and furry, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> a bit more to it. Um, 
Jack, tell me a little bit more about your session at the Cambridge Festival in a couple of weeks' time, I think. That's right. So I've actually got two events. I've got one on the um, Sunday the 26th of March, which is called Don't Call Me Weird, Australia's Amazing Mammals. And that's, um, that's, that's a, an event about the wonders of platypuses and wombats and Tasmanian devils and kangaroos that's aimed at a more family audience. And then um, I've got a, another event on the... Uh, Wednesday, the 29th of March in the evening, it's aimed at adults, which is based on a similar story, but based on my book, Platypus Matters, The Extraordinary Story of Australian Mammals, which tells not just a kind of a celebration of the amazing things that these animals do, but a story of how the West came to know them and how our relationship with them, and indeed why people think everything in Australia is dangerous, is all tied up to, uh, tied up with Australia's colonial history with the UK and how they've been framed based on a, a rather colonial uh, notion that everything in Australia is dangerous or inferior or primitive which just isn't true well, both of those sound rather it's a shame i i guess there's lots of reasons why you can't have a duck-billed platypus with you um in the uh du- during the session there's Pop- never been a live platypus in the uk has there never never <laughs> god i guess we wouldn't want to do it would we really <laughs> we tried uh, winston churchill tried to get one over during the middle of the second world war but it's never been successful <laughs> that's fascinating <laughs> seriously I could, I could i could i could genuinely talk about this for some some time to come but we we, we better not but uh, jack thank you so much uh for, for coming in and uh, those couple of talks um google cambridge festival that's the easy easy thing to do really uh, very easily found and uh, most of the sessions including jack's i suspect are are free to attend you just uh, some of them it does does help to register i think to let them uh, let them know you're coming to uh, to, to help manage numbers where is it, is it actually taking place in the zoology museum just in the building behind them in the museum in one of the in the big uh, lecture theaters behind the museum okay sounds great that's uh, jack ashby assistant director of the university museum of zoology Cambridge 105 Radio.